Okay, let's uh, turn to uh, the book of... Uh, well, why don't we start... This is a Christmas time, isn't it? I'd like to say I have a traditional uh, Christmas message, but I don't. Uh, but I do have a message around Jesus and Christmas, and you'll have to bear with me. Turn me to the book of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 7. I'm going to read one verse uh, that signifies in one sentence what I want to talk about this morning. It says, uh, Luke 2, 7. It says, and she brought, the she, of course, being Mary, she brought forth her firstborn son. Wow, that's got a word with, uh, with impact in it. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I notice that all of women here swaddle their babies nowadays. I never knew what swaddling was, but I do now. Uh, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there's no room for him in the inn. What a tragedy to think there's no room for Jesus. God himself. No, no room. And God, the amazing part is that God, the Father... Put his son with all the animals and put him in a feed trough. That's what a manger basically is. Because ultimately, that's because Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain for the foundation of the world. And we think of, you know, often we, when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus as in first coming the Lamb of God. You know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look along with little child type prayers. We expect that the lamb that's slain for the sins of the foundation of the world. But we don't realize that in that lamb, there is a roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. That has power. You know, as we begin to feed on the lamb of God, something's got to change in your life and my life. You know, we've got to rise up and be stronger, be better, uh, you know, and more equipped than we've ever been before. You know, sometimes we see ourselves as lambs you know, and rather than, than lions with power and authority and a majesty about it. So turn with me quickly right now to my main passage, 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 20. It says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He'd killed two lion-like heroes from Moab. He's also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit in a snowy day. Just to think about it, he killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. He got a reputation for killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so we went down to him with a staff, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, killed him with his own spear. These are the things that Benaiah, the son of Jehovah, did. And he won a name among the three mighty men. David had 30 mighty men, but he had three mighty men. But then he says this, he was more honored than the 30 but he did not attain to the first three. Now, the first three were amazing men. David had 30 amazing men. You know, I pray that God would raise up mighty men and women who would take on lions, take on the enemy, and have victory. Amen. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we're full of a church that, you know, we're not huddled. You know, this is... You know, a church is not a fortress where we huddle together and, you know, with walled up walls so the enemy can't get in. 
You know, we are a people who have been called like Peter to, you know, to go and, and uh, give them the keys to the kingdom of God that we would literally open the gates of hell and create a floodgate of souls. Yeah, sometimes we don't see what God's doing. Last week, seven souls got saved. Three Muslims became Christians last week in Melbourne. That's exciting. We had four Muslims come to the Lord in our, uh, our Farsi service, our Persian service, and we had one non-Muslim come to the Lord in our ordinary service here. See, God's doing something. God's doing, you know, we're continually seeing, you know, we, I mean, we're having a harvest of Muslims. We're having a harvest of Muslims. It's quite amazing what God's doing. You know, we, we're part of something. We have no idea what God will ultimately do. But all I know is that he wants to equip us to do that. And he says this. Now, you're probably saying, what has this got to do with the Christian message? And that's a good question. That we'll meditate upon as we go through. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that Benaiah became somebody because he fought a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, I think if we want to achieve things, we've got to take our lion in a pit on a snowy day. See, I don't think we, you know, sometimes we, we think that everything's going to go just well. I was talking to Carolyn before. Carolyn was saying, wow, you know, now I am cancer-free. That's what she said to the doctor, said she was cancer-free. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that, isn't that true? 12 months. She can't hear. She hasn't got a hearing aid in. She takes them out when I preach. No. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Uh, just fun saying that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so bad, I know. Not as bad as you, though. <laughs> Carolyn is a character one of our great characters in church. But Carolyn was, you know, she went on, on a trip and she was in front of her three doctors, her three, you know, because suffered cancer and they said, you will not last the three months out. You will die on that trip. That was 12 months ago and now they've given her totally free from cancer. Yeah. How exciting is that? I said to Carolyn, just remember when you're looking at those doctors, say they're three liars. <laughs> Because, you know, that's what the devil is. See, here's a roaring lion. See, we have this idea that we, you know, what the enemy wants to put, put into us, he puts words in our mind and the heart that we believe. But he's a liar. He puts words like cancer into your body and, and, and in your mind that just, and you believe it. And, you know, it says something about a word that you can hear. Some words don't mean anything. I could call you silly wouldn't matter. But if I said that with passion and called you a BB person, <laughs> whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> you know, someone said you can read the word bastard, excuse the language, in the dictionary, and it doesn't mean a thing. But if someone's ever called you that, you probably will never forget it. See, we've got to realize the enemy is speaking to us. You know, it's not just our thoughts. He's speaking to us, and words suddenly have life because words have spirit and life. It has the wrong spirit. It's a death spirit, but it's got life. And the enemy, every time sickness comes, he speaks a word so that he can lodge it into your brain, lodge it in your mind, that you think about it, dream about it, and you can't get rid of it. But we've got to fight our enemy and destroy him before he destroys us. It's that simple. We fight lions. 
Now, let me... We live in Australia. We don't really have too many lions here. Uh, we have plenty of snakes, but you know, there's a lot of difference between a snake and a lion. I mean, snakes are silent. No, there's better snake. Sna- I mean, I mean, I have a fear of snakes. I'll admit that. When I was a young boy, we used to go out fishing with Peter's father. I don't know whether I was only young. I was this high. Peter was. I don't know whether, what height he would have been if it was even existed, but he wasn't allowed to come, that's all I remember. So, but my father would say, when you go out to St. George, be careful, because they, you know, they've got snakes like we don't have them here. They've got death adders. I'm going, death adder? I mean, like, I really never forgot that word, death adder. He said, now be careful, he said, because a, a manure pad might not be a manure pad. If you tread on it, it could be a death adder, and you're dead. And then he said, don't tread upon leaves because they hide in leaves. And on these leaves, you can be treading on a death adder. So I, everywhere I look, I look for death adders and death adders. I've been hunting with Michael. And twice, I've seen snakes and he hasn't seen one of them yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I am tuned for snakes. You're like, whoa. You know, everywhere I look there, you know. We're down the creek. I said, I said, Michael, look, be careful. I said, there'd be red-bellied black snakes down here. This is where they live. He said, I was joking. But he doesn't anymore. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just got to be careful. I mean, my snake, we've got heaps of snakes for a story. So I've never treaded on a snake, but my father has. I remember we were out one afternoon and uh, we were, the sheep had got out and he was in his uh, pair of shorts and a pair of uh, sandals. The spear grass was probably up to about waist high almost, not quite waist high. And all of a sudden, my father did this dance. <laughs> what he'd done, he'd tread on a brown snake and it wrapped itself around his leg. So he did this, uh, I would say, fervent dance. He did a hop, step, a holler and a jump. He was crying, he was yelling, he was swearing, he was doing everything to get rid of the snake. You know, and it, was out. it wasn't the first time he had a snake. I remember once we... We had, uh, he just cleared a paddock which is down by the river. He's very proud because there was no sticks in the paddock. And he's very proud of it. But the only problem that, that when he was, and we just harvested, and the sheep were in there having, eating the leftover from the sorghum. And he looked down as he's whistling the sheep and he's pointing to which way the dog should go. And as he was pointing, there was this brown snake wrapped around his leg and it was trying to bite his head as he's pointing. Well, my father did a lot of jump, jumps, hop steps as there to get rid of it and finally killed it with clods of dirt. We had a snake pulse in our house. None should live. It was just a simple there. There was no preservation. You know, we, we were uh, animal activists but not snake activists. The only good snake was the one you didn't see and the dead one. If you'd see it. But anyhow. But lions are different. Listen to what it says, the difference is about lions and snakes. It says, Amos 5 verse 18 says this, chapter 5 verse 18. It says, For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It's being the Israelites. And it says, It will be darkness and not light. It will be though as a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. That's a bad day. 
And, and or as though he went to the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and the serpent bit him. You know, lions roar, but snakes kind of, you know, they kind of slither. You know, I don't know whether you've, you've ever seen cobras. I made the mistake once of filming a guy with cobras in India. He had him on the back, and I'm filling the way there, and I didn't realize that he wanted money for that filming. So he was having a very violent discussion with me about the money. I wasn't worried about the money or his, his violent discussion. I was worried about the cobras because the cobras got to go, they go stand up like this, and then they've got, they've got these like little dots in the back, and they look like eyes, so they kind of go, they turn around and go, and they dance like that, and they got to mesmerize you. You'll never sleep tonight, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, you know, like snakes can be scary, but you know, lions. If you're living in the jungle, which I wouldn't recommend, they roar at night. You hear them all the time. But there's one difference between actually hearing one and seeing one. And when you see, I mean, lions have the biggest feet you'll ever see. They're just huge. I mean, they are the king of the giant. They, this is what the Bible says. It says a lot about lions, actually. Just read a couple of things. It says that the breath of God and anger consumed the roaring of the lion. Lions roar. The voice of a fierce lion. The teeth of the young lions. So, you know, you see, you know, it's, it's roar. It's, it's a scary thought. You know, my heart Rate jumps up when I see a snake. But imagine seeing a lion for the first time and you're in a pit. Now, there's a difference. A pit is not a. Uh, a pit is, means there's no way in or way out except down the top. He was in a pit on a snowy day. Now, we don't have much snow in Brisbane. I don't know whether we've ever had any snow in Brisbane. But I lived in Denver. I learned one thing about snow. You walk out to your car and then you find yourself on your backside. <laughs> it's extremely slippery. You know, you'll be driving around your car and all of a sudden it decides to just take a dance off the side of the road and you find yourself in a snowdrift or something like that. I mean, I think Derek had three, uh, three 360 degrees just driving down to the snowfields one day. Sully wasn't much better. I won't talk about Lindsay myself. But, you know, it's... it's see. If you're going to fight a lion, I'd like to be in running shoes and a running block. Good footing. But see, the difference is that the good news is that the lion also has got a slippery field. But it's in a pit. You can't get away. You know, in other words, Benaiah had no option but to fight this lion. You know, I wish we'd realize sometimes that we have no options but to fight the enemy. There's voices in your head that you've got no option but to break and cast down. There's sickness in your body that you've got no option but to fight. You know, Karen had no option. She could live or die or she could believe God. She had, but she took the option. I mean, and, and it wasn't just the first or the second or the third. It was probably about the fourth time from memory. You know, sometimes you know, we've got to realize that, hey, we're in a pit on a snowy day. In other words, it never happens when you want it to happen. Like a snowy day. 
Let me just think about these three things for a minute. Number one, I've, I've used three words to help me in my journey and battle of life. Number one, when you fight a lion, it's always, number one, unequal. You know, if you were at the Colosseum and they're feeding the Christians to lions and you're gambling, you'd bet on the lions every time. Except for the Brisbane lions, that might be a bit of difference, but... Lions, it's an unequal battle. Yeah, we realize that. Hey, when we fight the devil, you know, it's an unequal battle. He is invisible and we're visible. I mean, you know, he, he's a spirit and we're a material person housed in a spirit housed in it. You know, you know he, he can be in different places. We can't see him. You know, we, we, can, we, can, we, we, we have not really understood his voice well. And sometimes we don't listen to his voice. We don't really know his voice because we confuse his voice with the voice of our own self and the voice of our own mind. Yeah. But he is unequal. He does have power. And he has the host of enemy be- behind him. But see, the problem with him is his power is not the power of authority. It's the power of lying. When he speaks, he doesn't have power. He has lies. You're no good. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? You've got this. You've got that. You've got pride. Nobody likes you. Why would they like you? It's these whispered voices. He speaks like, because when you hear the voice, he's a roaring lion which will devour you. It's amazing the power of words. When words are spoken, they live in you because they're living things. We we, we realize, hey, we must overcome them. Jesus' Jesus' biggest issue that he faced in life continually was the consistent lying of the scribes and Pharisees right till his own disciples sold him and had him crucified. Lies, 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 lies. Because he is truth. But the devil is not truth. He puts lies. You, 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 know, you can easily overcome a lie is by substituting with tru- truth. You know, we, we've got an option every time the enemy speaks to, am I going to believe God? Is God my healer? Is Jesus my saviour? Did he die for my infirmities? Did he die for my Am I going to believe Jesus or am I going to believe those three lying doctors? I'm not against doctors. Because we wouldn't be here without their help. If they're, if they're destroying sickness, I'm for them. Because they can't be against us or they're for us, can they? But you know, but it's not doctors I'm talking about. It's the lie that you hear when they say you've got cancer, when they say you've got arthritis, you know, when, when they say you've got pancreatitis, you know, when they say you can't be healed. It's lies. Because we have a healer within us. We have the King of Kings that resides in us. You know, we have the power of the Spirit. We have the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Christ for us today. See, that's what Christmas is all about, that a saviour of the world has come. And he might look like a baby, but inside him is the lion of the tribe of Judah who's about to be released into this world. And we've got to believe it, you know. And he's coming back, not as a lamb. If you hear the trumpet call, don't look for a lamb because it won't be a slain lamb. It'll be a lion of the tribe of Judah with a roar and power, authority and majesty. You know, and his teeth, you know, it'll be the scariest sight you've ever seen. Everybody falls down as dead in front of Jesus' feet when they see him in the kingdom of heaven. John, who, the beloved disciple who 
lay in his lap at the Last Supper when he saw him on the Isle of Patmos. You know, he was so scared that he just fell down the reverence and respect to his God, to his Saviour and to his friend. Well, the battle is unequal. But really it is totally unequal because we have the line of the tribe of Judah. That's a real issue. Second thing is about the battle. It was in a pit. It's unavoidable. I wish I could say to you that you'll have great times. I wish I could say to every visitor here that Networks Church will be just the place of bliss and luxury for you. That you'll prosper like nothing else. That every person will love you. Every person will speak good of you. You'll be so inspired that you'll wonder why you didn't run here sooner. That you'll never get sick. But you know what the truth is? There's a devil. And you know, there's something about that, you know, you've got to learn to fight. I can't guarantee you won't have somebody that will offend you. But I can tell you what the antidote of offense is. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Forgive those who try to, and say, I can't be greater than master. But, but I'll tell you one thing. It'll take you from being a lamb to a lion. Why do Australians and New Zealanders have the highest suicide in the world? Why isn't Indians who live in rougher conditions are starving to death? And trying to scrape out a living and have an unfair caste system. Why isn't Indonesians who are living on dumps eating garbage? See, there's something about those people that they've learned to fight, they've learned to take hardship, they've learned to be tough. And you know, sometimes you need a bit, you know, you need opposition. You cannot become strong by not lifting weight. You can't become strong, spiritually strong without lifting some weight. You know, we've, we've got to have some muscle around our bone. We've got to have some you know, strength in ourselves. We've got to have some guts in ourselves. We've got to have some fight. That, you know, that we, and we need the pit and we need, it, and we need to be there so we can't, so it's unavoidable. So the guy says, I want you to grow, son. You know, you know the, the kids who've got everything never have learned. If they've been given money, they don't appreciate it. You know, it's not till you lose money. If you've been bankrupt, you'll appreciate the value of a dollar. If you've been rich and suddenly lost it all, you'll appreciate a dollar. If you've done it three times, you won't do it the fourth time. But I don't know a person who has money that didn't go through hard times because he's learned the value of money. But we haven't learned the value of our prayers. We haven't learned the value of the name of Jesus. If we don't have a fight, if we don't have something to break through for, you know, if you don't believe God, you know, God is a person who works in us with power. Unless the Lord builds the church, we labor in vain. I'm not the builder of this church. God is. My job is to get a strength up. And when I see everything, you know, it's not easy. You know, if you watch, we've, I've seen more people lose in the church planning battle than gain. It's all because they come in there believing the promises and believing the word of God, but have never, ever really fought for them in their life. Never had the strength of it. Never had to sit up and fast for 40 days. Never, ever been desperate enough to give up a meal. Never been desperate enough to spend an all night in prayer. But you show me somebody who's having victory, and I'll show you a person who prays. I'll show you a person who can stand up all night and pray. I'll show you a person who can fast. He's got some guts. He's got some things. He can handle it because he's been in a pit. 
And he says, the only way out is God. He's my savior. He's my builder. He's everything for me. Without him, I can do nothing. So you learn that in the pit. See, Australians, we have too much luxury. We think we're hardly done by. But you know, we're blessed. I mean, even, I mean, if you're living on welfare and got a pension here, you might be saying how hard up you are. But I want to say, you don't know what hard up is then. Let me take you to South America. Let me take you to India, Indonesia, some of the islands, and you'll realize how rich you are. It's just other people happen to be richer. But see, we've got to learn to fight. But you know what? I don't really like welfare much. Got to be honest with you. I remember Clark found out some of the pastors in our movement were on the dole, getting paid for passing. He heard about it and he made them stop taking it because he knew one thing, that a church is built by faith. And if you take money, you'll never have faith. But if you're hungry enough, you'll pray more. You know what? There's been weeks and days and months and years that we've believed God for every cent we had. But it built something that I believe. You know, I have no doubt that God builds a church. I'm prepared to take a plant a church anywhere that God tells me to do it. I don't need any backing. I don't need any help. I don't need any encouragement. All I need is God because he's the builder. It might be slow, it might be fast, who knows? That's his business, not mine. If I was more talented, it'd probably be faster, but it doesn't really matter. It depends on what he builds. I've seen better people, more talented, come out and not make it because they thought it was their skill, their preaching, their ability, their education, their on and on we can go, their personality. But it's all about being strengthened by him. Our pits are places of blessing. Teaches the fight. God told Joshua, he said, I'm not going to take the enemy from your land. He said, I'll leave them there so you can learn the value of war. We've got to learn the value of war. Because we do have a lion that's seeking to devour. The last thought is simply this. That for the lion of pit, and I've already mentioned on a snowy day, it's untimely. I'm sure some of you are saying, Peter, why on earth did you start a campaign at Christmas? When, when we've got kids are going to university, I've got presents to buy, blah, 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 blah. You know, have you been there? I've been there. It doesn't make any difference. It's always untimely. God likes to pick the times that are tough so you rely on him. Lindsay and I made a decision to give to the building campaign. Since then, our hot water system went in the blink. I thought, well, that was bad enough when I paid the bill. Then our pool, which I didn't want in the first place. Our our pool, uh, the filter went bung. Cost of the thousands again. And then if that wasn't bad enough, my whole pool sprung a leak from top to bottom had to be renovated the whole thing I mean it's just but you know what it is it's a lion on a pit on a snowy day I mean that's my snowy day 
I'm just being honest with you. Once upon a time, my snowy days weren't the blizzard like it's now in. They were just snowy days. But God, I think God's helped me to handle snowy days. You know, this is probably going to be a snowy day for you. I could name some of you saying, look, this is the worst time for me to have you taking the offering for my business. This is the worst time for my family budget. Well, welcome to the snowy day. But this is where God's great men are built. You know what the whole key of this is? The word Beniah, who killed the lion in the pit in the snowy day, you know what his name was? Beniah, of course. No, his name meant my father watches over you. I don't care whether you're in a pit, you're never alone. doesn't matter if it's a snowy day, you're not alone. Your father is watching. You know, the father was watching from heaven. I mean, just, I'm here, here is the son of man coming down to earth. You'd think God would have a little bit more sense, if I can use that reverently. And keep it quiet for 30 years. Let him grow to some wisdom and statute. But he makes a big announcement. He sends angels from heaven and cries out trumpets. You know, all angels and everything. He sends wise men for these there to Herod and everyone else who wants to kill every baby that's two years and under. Whoa. He never gave him much chance, did he? Except for one thing. He was always watching over his son. So he made a way of escape every time because he wanted to teach his son that he cared, that he loved him, he was with him, and he would never leave him nor forsake him. And he would deliver him from every evil work, no matter what it was. So when he stood up, being full of spirit, and met the devil face to face, he was ready. And he had settled confidence to say, it's written. I'm going to believe that. And he was prepared to go all the way to the cross for you and I. That's our Jesus. The man who killed his lion on a pit in a snowy day. That's you and I. That's what he's called us to. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care about us. We thank you you sent your Savior into the world that we would our sins would be forgiven, that we'd be cleansed from sin and the power of sin. We thank you, Lord, you died and your blood was shed that by stripes we'd be healed. We thank you, Lord, you sent us to deliver us from every evil work and every evil voice that is speak and torment to us. We thank you, Lord, you're the one who makes a way where there is no way. You're the comfort of the teacher. We just thank you, Lord, that you are our Benaiah, the one who watches over us. We love you and we appreciate you. And we thank you that as we celebrate this Christmas, We're going to celebrate it with new desires, new attitudes, and renewed faith in you. That you put your son for a purpose. That as he grows, so we would grow. As he would have victory of the devil, so we'd have victory of the devil. As he would have a future, so we would have a future. We believe for that today in Jesus' name.